This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm so damn pumped about today. I've been wanting to get this guy on ever since I heard him on Eric Wood's podcast. Uh, if you can go back and listen to that episode, uh, he's an incredible person, an amazing story. His name is Jordan Montgomery, and I'm going to give him his intro, then we're going to dive in here. He's the owner of Montgomery Companies, is a highly regarded performance coach and keynote speaker whose clients include business executives, sales organizations, and entrepreneurs. From a small town in Iowa to a dominant force in the performance coaching industry, Jordan travels the country speaking and coaching executives at Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes, and salespeople. In addition to his work speaking and coaching, he's an accomplished business leader who has managed top performing sales teams in the financial services industry. He's a father. He's a husband. He's an entrepreneur. He's all those things. He also loves the Iowa Hawkeyes, for those of you out there that are, that are fans or maybe want to be contrarian to that with him. Who knows? But man, Jordan. So incredible to have you, brother. What a gift and a blessing it is to spend time with you, Jamie. I've been following your work. And to be on this podcast with you is a highlight. And um, I was just sharing with you offline. I was talking to John White about you earlier today. John and Eric Eric Wood are both mutual friends. And so God bless those guys, two of the better guys that I know. And they just sing your praises. So you're obviously leading people in a really effective and powerful way. And it's it's a joy to spend time with you. Man, that means a lot. Thank you for that. John's incredible. I, I look at him as Captain America. You know, he's just yes. like this chiseled, like human being, right? And Eric, of course, is insane. I, I feel so bad. I'm a huge Bills fan. So as we're recording yeah. this, it's right after the AFC Championship game. And I almost wanted to text him, but I was like, nah, I, I, as a fan, I just didn't want to hear from anybody afterwards. So as the guy who's doing the the color for the Bills radio and a former Pro Bowler for them, I'm sure he didn't want to hear from a soul after that game. But yeah, I talked to him yesterday. I think his wounds are starting to heal, but it was okay. a, it was a tough loss for sure. I might have to shoot him a text. Shoot him a text. Yeah. So I gave a little bit of a bio there, man. But I, I wanna I wanna dive deep on your story. Let's just kind of start. Give me give me the uh, the background of Jordan Montgomery, then we'll roll from there. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, well, I grew up in small town Iowa. I grew up in a, a one stoplight, don't blink kind of town. It's actually the largest Amish community west of the Mississippi. So wow, grew up in kind of a kind of a blue collar environment, town of three thousand. Had a great childhood, kind of the traditional, you know, American small town life. Uh, dad was a blue collar worker. My mom was a teacher. I went to the University of Iowa after I graduated high school. And all I ever wanted to do, Jamie, was be an entrepreneur. I just wanted to own a business. Um, I wanted to be able to create my own time and my own opportunities. My dad was a, a painter. So he owned this little painting business, nothing fancy, he had five employees. But he could always be at all my games. He was always present at my most important activities. And he was home at night. And I just remember thinking, man, my dad's got it made. Like, he can love his family well. He attends everything that that I do. And so I just kind of wanted to be like my dad. So for me, you know, college was almost like a social experiment. I was trying to, like, meet people and get networked and connect with others. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to go start a business. But um, the reality is I didn't have any startup capital I knew nothing about business. And so uh, that was a challenge. And so I started in the financial services industry because I could be in business for myself, but not by myself. In other words, I had the support that I needed to get started. I didn't have to invest any money. 
and we had a great run in, in that industry for several years, uh, pivoted, which I'm sure we'll talk about, into the coaching and consulting world uh, a handful of years ago. And God's opened doors really wide. And we just continue to be fortunate and uh, experience his favor. And, um, you know, today we serve a few thousand clients. I do a lot of corporate coaching, speaking, consulting. Uh, we have a team of 11 people that also does that work. My wife runs the business. I just kind of run my mouth. That's the big joke. And uh, we've got, we have three daughters. So, um, you know, Audrey, Claire, and Olivia, ages 10, 7, and 2, as we're recording this. And they're our, our greatest joy. So uh, that's, that's our life in a, in a nutshell. Amazing. So financial services, can you give me a sense of what exactly, what were you doing in financial service? I like that point. Like you're working on your own, but with other sort of thing, kind of entrepreneurial, but the, the chance to work with those, what was your role in that? And then what was the pivot if you don't mind? Yeah. So, um, I, I was just working with clients, you know, I had, um, you know, maybe a few hundred clients, uh, through my twenties, my first five years, I started right out of college. So I was 22 and I think that industry, I think it can just be a fantastic industry for the person that wants to work hard, be creative, that doesn't have the resources to invest. And so I'm still passionate about that industry. We work with a lot of financial advisors and a lot of companies inside that industry. But I was just, I was planning with clients. Um, I loved the work. Uh, for three years, I just focused on my own sort of personal practice, you know, planning with individual clients. And then uh, in year three, I became what they call a managing director. So I was in charge of leading an organization. And at the time, at 25 years old, I was the youngest managing director inside that Fortune 100 company. And so it was a lot of responsibility at a really young age. And then couple that with uh, speaking, I started to do more speaking corporately, mostly inside that company. And I was flying to the different organizations to help them uh, get their organization, you know, running and humming, uh, attracting talent, recruiting talent. That was a big focus of ours. That's something we had done well. So that was an honor. But all of a sudden I'm living in this world where it's like, I've got clients that I'm trying to help. I have advisors that I'm trying to grow and I have this speaking career that I'm trying to develop. And it was a lot to handle at 27. And I think one of my biggest mistakes for, for any young entrepreneurs that are listening, one of my biggest mistakes, Jamie, is I set my goals before I really knew my values. And there's this old adage that if you set your goals before your values, your goals could take you to a place that you never intended to go. And so I was living in sort of this proverbial penthouse. You know, I was traveling every week. You know, I would, I would fly private sometimes. I built this huge house. I was sort of living for the ways of the world. And my identity was very much wrapped up in my achievement in my success, in my bank account, in my awards. And on April 1st, 2015, um, all of that changed. I don't think God caused it, but I think he allowed some of these things to happen. Uh, I got a call from my managing partner at the time. He called me into his office and I was so naive that I was irritated that I had to attend the meeting. Like it was this, hey, I got to meet with you today kind of thing. I should have known, right? I should have had more sense about me. But I was like, really? Like today, I've got a busy day. So I go to this meeting sort of begrudgingly and he walks in. I'll never forget. He said, Jordan, I still love you. I still care about you. But today is going to be your last day with our family. You didn't do anything intentional, malicious, but you've just been a bit casual. And when you're casual, you create casualties. So you're, you're running too fast. You know, you're, you're not always dotting the I's or crossing the T's. 
And what had happened was there was a person on my team, on my staff that had taken one of my internal continuing education assessments and I had failed to report that. So God bless this person. They were trying to be helpful, trying to jump in and do something that, that they thought would help me. It ended up being a, a real issue and it was grounds for termination. So he tells me, you know, this will be your last day with the firm. Well, that becomes a bigger issue. Not, not, not only did I lose my job, I was involved in these real estate projects. And as a result of my change in employment status, the bank calls the loans and all the projects go sideways. So I go from the proverbial penthouse to the outhouse almost overnight. Now I'm standing on the door of bankruptcy and it was just this sort of desert season. Um, but I really found myself in that season. Uh, I remember I just sort of tucked my, tucked my head between my legs. It was like, I'm not going to talk to anybody for 30 days. I just kind of went into hiding. My phone's blowing up and it was very public. It was very embarrassing. Uh, full of shame. I mean, it really rocked me to my core. And in that season, I, I met my um, now wife. And the short story is I actually got rehired by the same firm. A leader by the name of Tim Bohannon stepped in my life. He said, hey, I'd like to take you in, give you a second chance. So I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota for two years. Uh, and in that season, I met my wife and um, adopted two children who are now uh, my, my daughters. We just had our third child, Olivia, two and a half years ago. So I've got three daughters and, and I got to become a husband and a father. And, and the ironic part about the story, Jamie, is, and I think this is true for all of us, like sometimes God's got to do something in you before he can do something with you. And for me, there was like pride and ego and idolatry. Like I was not on a path to be a father and a husband, at least not a good one. You know, I, I would have really struggled. And I, I still don't know. There's some days where I'm like, I don't know if I'm a good, you know, I got work to do. I don't know that I'm a, always a five-star husband and father, but man, I, I, I really fight for that. I mean, that's something that my wife and I take very seriously is raising our kids and tending the fire in our marriage. And, um, and God used that season just to teach me and draw me closer to him and really grew in my faith, started to really understand my values in a, in a more real and, and, and uh, meaningful way. Yeah. And today, um, we, you know, we get to do this business. I get to do it yeah. with my wife and God's continue to open doors. Which is so. so cool. I love that. I love the, yeah. I love the, the, uh, life happening for you versus to you type of story, right? Like that, this was, I can only imagine what you were going through on that day with what sounds like a technicality that, that takes you out of this job and all of who you are up to that point. And then, yeah, thankfully, you got, how long was the Minneapolis? Like how long after you were, you were let go was Minneapolis? Was that like uh, within a couple of months? Was that pretty quick? Um, yeah, it was about 45, well, maybe 50 days after I got let go. So it yeah. all happened pretty quick, but okay. there was so, sort of this unknown period of time, maybe a month and a half. Where I didn't really know what, what was going to happen in my future. Sure. Um, and that was a, that was a good season. You know, sometimes the most difficult seasons are the best seasons for us. Yeah. So that was a, that was a good season. It was hard, but it was really good for me. So you mentioned values a bit ago. Uh, you set your goals before your values. I guess the question really is when, when did you get a sense of what your true values are. Was it in that 45 days? Was it, is it ongoing? Like I want to start, I have two questions on values, but the first one is like, what was the timeline for you to get to a place where you felt like you were aligned with your values? Well, I think you, you first you have to start asking yourself the hard questions, right? Like, so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Yeah. You know, when I went through that, um, I'll say this, the first six months after that incident, I, I didn't spend any time thinking about values. Mm. I was full of anger and resentment and bitterness. And Victim. Tim Bohannon asked me this question, you know, cause I would debrief with him and I kind of vent to him and complain to him. And like a good leader, he would just sort of listen 
and he'd sit with me. But then after about, you know, maybe five or six months, he asked me this question. I'll never forget it. He said, Jordan, there's a really powerful question that you need to start to ask. He said, I think this is one of life's best questions. And the question is, what part of the problem is me? What part of the problem is me? In other words, whether you're 5% of the problem or 95% of the problem, you're, you're at fault. You made mistakes. And you need to own your part of the problem and focus on you and your development to grow and get better and ultimately to move on. You know, I, I love what Brene Brown says. She says, when you deny the story, it defines you. When you own the story, you can write a brand new ending. And I needed to hear that. Like, awesome. Yeah. Like I was 27. I had a lot of life to live. And I'm just wallowing in this event and in this incident. And somebody listening is dealing with that right now. They just can't move past it. It's like, look, you got life to live. Like God will redeem you and restore you, but you got to own it. You got to ask yourself that question. What part of the problem is me? Doesn't matter if you're 5% or 95%, own it. And then, and then let's move on. But there's great power in owning it. So I had to own it first before I could really think about my values. And then, and then it was, you know, it was prayer. It was mentorship. It was a lot of great people around me that would continue to ask difficult questions. And, um, and that was sort of the, the process that, that started me down the path of understanding my values. How do you articulate your values? Like, I, you know, like, I want to get into this. Like, what is a value? I mean, do they have to be these heady words like integrity or whatever? Like, how do you define your values? You mentioned prayer. You mentioned, you know, kind of like going inwardly. That That's a great, great question from, from a mentor that you had that sort of unlocked the ability for you to start, you know, owning, owning your role and whatever happened and then and then start to define your values. But what are your values? Like, how do you define values? Somebody sitting out there like, okay, that sounds good. Define values. I worked for a company. They had values on a wall. I remember that. But like, how did you go about that? How did you go about defining them? And how, you know, what are the values that you, you resonate with today? Well, first off, I'm not like a, a values guru. We don't lead like workshops on sure. you know, know your values, understand your values. So I wouldn't be the subject matter expert on this topic. Um, I will say this. My, my values are faith, family, and growth. And so that's what works for us. I think what's important um, around values, Jamie, is that we continue to have conversation and we take the values off the shelf or off the wall. Because every company, right, every organization's got the values up on the wall, right? Or they have the mission statement. But I'm not sure how often those organizations are taking that value off the shelf or off the wall to talk about it. You know, so if we say family is a value, that's a top priority in our organization, in our home, that means we spend time thinking and planning and preparing for that to be a top priority. And I'm proud of that. So like in our organization and with our family, we spend a lot of time talking about what this family looked like for us. You know, we get help on, so my wife and I, one of the best things we've done, we get marriage coaching. You know, not because something's wrong, but because uh, we want it to be right. You know, I want to have a special, awesome, impactful marriage. And uh, I got a lot of work to do. You know, I'm still a prideful, ego-driven guy. Like, I, I got issues. You know, I got tons of blind spots. And so, like, we love that. So we want to be proactive. If we say something's of value, we want to be proactive about digging into that and, and planning for that to continue to show up in our life in a meaningful and real way. I think that's so smart. My my wife and I the same. Like I it was an epiphany at one point with somebody going through a divorce after 25 years, how they unpacked at that point where the issue was 20 years prior, but at that point they hated each other. There was no going back. And I think about it from a health perspective. You go for a physical 
before something's wrong. You get your teeth checked before they fall out of your face, right? So if you value, like you do, family as a top value and relationships, you know, that's like not doing things to ensure that you're uncovering the blind spots, like you mentioned, proactively feels derelict. But to your point, though, you had that defined as a value. And it sounds like these values, family, faith, and growth, are these are these personal only do you do you, or do they go into your business? Did you take them with you when you were creating your business? You know, so much of our business is personal. You know, I know everybody's in a different industry and there's there's boundaries that sometimes we have to be thinking about, you know, the crossover between personal and professional. But for me, like I just kind of am who I am, Jamie. So I don't I tend to, you know, not think about myself as like a, you know, I'm a I'm a family man and then I'm like a businessman, you know. Um, I'm just a man, you know, I'm I'm a man. I, I, I don't know. I, I, um, I think about those values in, in both ways, right? Like I hope that somebody who experiences us professionally would say, yeah, those are the values. Like, you know, those are things that he's talking about, whether it's a keynote speech or it's a coaching conversation, or we're consulting with a firm. Like we're talking to executive leaders about being great mothers and great fathers and making sure that they're tending the fire in the relationship with their kids and being present at home because it's all, at the end of the day, it's all connected, right? Like, I just believe it's really difficult in life to be a top-notch executive leader if you're a really awful father, or to be a top-notch executive leader if you're a really awful mother. And you can get by with it for a while, but eventually I think that catches up to us. And so I would hope that somebody would say, yeah, whether it's personal or professional, we, you know, we see that. Now, doesn't mean he's got it figured out. But I, I see him attempting to really grow and take those parts of his life seriously. Does that shock some of your clients when you go there? I'm wondering, like, if you got this executive, this you know, the person who's driving, they they feel this, you know, lack in their business life, whether it's a, a high end W two or a business they own or whatever. And you're talking about, you know, kind of that balance in life and showing up as a father or a husband or a, a wife or whatever. Is that is that do you find that people feel relief in that, or do they are they sort of jarred by? the fact that your conversation, your coaching kind of incorporates that? Well, I think at the end of the day, most of us, almost all of us want the same thing. Like you don't meet too many people that say, I don't really care about being a good husband or I don't really, you know, I don't need to be a good father. True. So at the end of the day, I, I think there's a centering that happens when you have those conversations with executive leaders and, and salespeople who are type A and they're really driven. Like they want that. So I think when leaders can speak to those issues, like, hey, how are you doing you know, with your marriage? How, how are you doing in your relationship with your kids? I think actually you get, to the, you get to the center of somebody's life and the center of their organization very quickly. And, and you know what's crazy, Jamie, is I don't, there's not enough people having those conversations. No. I mean, think about what's happening right now with, with young men specifically. That, you know, a lot of the people I'm coaching and working with is young men. And social media is pulling them in the, into this deep hole of, you got to impress people and you got to put on a face and you have to build your brand and you have to be omnipresent with people. And then we have texts and emails, you know, and, and I'm guilty. I'm getting, you know, a few hundred emails and texts every day. Right. So it's like, I got to manage that. And then, you know, I got to manage the expectation of others. And, and so all of, all of um, what's most important to us can get lost really easily in the context of, of all of that. But when, when you, when you go with somebody to the areas of their life that matter most, I think it changes the relationship like super fast. And, and you know that from the work that you do, you know, and I've watched you just very intentionally ask people questions about what's most important. So 
you know, um, yeah, if I'm working with a, with a professional athlete or executive leader, those are some of our first questions. It's about faith. It's about family. I want to get to the center of their life quickly. Who, uh, outside of your, your, your wife, cause you talk a lot about relate, you just mentioned it relationships, right? So outside of your wife, that's not wife, kids. I get that. Like that's a key relationship in your life. Who today, like, how do you cultivate? Cause you've had, a, you've had a, you have an amazing network of people. Like just what I've seen on your podcast, the people that you're interacting, you mentioned John White, Eric Wood, all of this stuff. How do you go about cultivating or creating these relationships with these people, especially who have had significant success and, and all of that? What is the, what are some things that you do? in order to cultivate relationships or, or, or even who are some folks that, that you make sure that you show up for and for what reason? Does that make sense? So I just want to get, I get a sense of, yeah. talk to me about how you go about uh, creating these incredible relationships that you have. Well, I'll, I'll, the first principle I'll share, the first you know concept that I'll talk about, I mean, I, I just want to acknowledge this first. I'm talking to one of the best in, in this space. So Jamie, I think you're incredible at this. Like, And I've I've watched you from afar. Obviously, we share some mutual friends in common. Wow, man. And I've, I've sort of seen this in your life. And, and even just talking offline, I've, I've experienced this about your, your posture. You have, a, you have a deep desire to connect others and to add value to others through connection. And I, I think one of the greatest gifts that we could share with another human is a new relationship. And so I, I try to be very intentional about that. You know, if, it, if somebody enters my sphere... I want to be a connector. I want to be a, a curator. I want to be an ambassador, an advocate. And that means I'm going to do everything I can to get them introduced to other people who could also add value to them. So um, that's something that we take very seriously. That happens through text message. It happens through email. It happens at events. But I'm always thinking about like, who does this person need to know? We've often said that connected people are connecting people and connecting people are connected people. So if you want to be more connected, just start connecting. The world is a looking glass. It gives back to each person a reflection of their own image. And it's amazing how, you know, and you know that, Jamie, when you start connecting people, you just start getting connected. Amazing. So, you know, it's it's the John Whites of the world. It's the Eric Woods. It's the, it's the John Gordons and the David Nurses. Like, I want to be connected to people who are dominating in their industry. They are like world-class at what they do professionally, but they're also really great people. They're centered, they've got values, they're living for the right things, and they're willing to hold me accountable and, and step into a real relationship. It's not fake. There's not strings attached. There are people like John White that I could call and say, hey, I'm struggling in my marriage. I need to share this with you. And a person like John White also understands the pressures of the outside world, you know, the expectations of running a very high-level business and being, you know, he's, he's world-class at what he does. So, um, so, so, you know, I just say, connect people, be sincere, be genuine and look for opportunities to get others connected. And that's incredible. And, and by the way, thank you. That was, uh, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that, that you, you're, you, my ego went a little crazy there. I got a little emotional, even when you started out with this statement. So thank you for that. And honestly, to be, to be here with you is an honor because I've seen, uh, again, from afar, so much of what you've done and what you've cultivated and what you've created. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And just to go from, you know, uh, this sort of, you know, identity that you had you know, corporately, if you will, to now what you're doing, it, it blows my mind and it inspires me as I'm in that pivot right now to some extent, right? I'm recently out of this corporate life and into something that I feel is more purposeful. And that's where I want to go right now. I had this discussion with uh, some people this morning on a, on a, a live that I do um, about purpose, finding purpose. And I've talked to so many different people recently 
Uh, Shay Hillenbrand is one who I'd love to connect you to. He's a, a ba- former former All Star baseball player who talks about it. His time in the major leagues, like his identity was this baseball player, but it's not who he is, and it would just created it almost killed him, literally almost killed him. And we'll chronicle that story. But for you, as you as you lean into what you're doing now, it feels to me and seems to me like this is purposeful work connecting people, coaching people, mentoring people, uh, getting people to unlock and become the best version of themselves. How do you admit to yourself that this is what your purpose is, right? Like, I I feel like sometimes when I think about purpose for me, like the ability to inspire and motivate others, there's a part of me that says that and kind of cringes, like, who the hell do you think you are, right? I see that in the mirror and I might feel that judgment from, from, faceless people like they're not even nobody's judging me in that way but i sense this judgment or i create this judgment that reflects back to me so for you i feel like your purpose is the same your purpose is to bring people together you have values around faith family and growth and you're, you 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 want to see people uh, uh embody all of that and grow and i mean that's i feel like what your purpose is but how do you admit that to yourself and truly own it i, I hope that question makes sense how do you truly own the fact that this is who you are and this is what you were meant to be. This is why you were born. Ah, wow. Awesome question. It does make sense. Um, and, and, you know, we could go deep. We could spend an hour probably just having this conversation, Jamie, especially sure. with somebody like you. You know, um, I'm going to give Dave Gibbons a shout out. He shared this with me recently. Um, he's a phenomenal guy, pastor, executive leader type, works with a lot of uh, corporate executives and athletes. And he said, you know, I see a lot of young men. He was speaking to a group of young men at the time. So he says, I, I see a lot of young men trying to build their kingdom. And we got to remember, it's God's job to build the kingdom. It's your job to plant seeds. So when I think about my purpose, really starts with this understanding that um, God doesn't need me to do anything. You know, like he doesn't need me to move mountains. He doesn't need me to motivate. He doesn't need me to inspire. Like he can do what he wants to do with whom he wants to do it. But I, I get to do this. So that, that foundation for me is a reminder that I get to do this. Like I get to be on this podcast. I didn't earn the right to do this. This is a, this is a, your show, Jamie, this is a big time show. I get to do this. What an honor. You can interview a bunch of other people. I haven't done anything to like earn this. You know, so, so there's a, I think there's a humility that's required. You know, if if you really want to impact and serve others, there's a humility that's required to do that work. And, and I'll say this, like my, my pride and ego, I mean, so much of it was just knocked out of me when I'm, when I was 27 and it's still there. Like for all of us, it's there, but don't you love meeting somebody who just doesn't like, they just don't show up that way. And and you're the same way. Like you texted me, I'm going to, I'm going to shine a light on it, on an exchange that you and I had. Um, prior to this show, you texted me and you were like, Jordan, I am so excited and so honored to have you on my show. And there was like four exclamation points. You're like, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And I'm just super fired up about this. And, and like, you weren't afraid to show your colors. You were just like, Hey, this is me. I'm excited. Like, can't wait to have you. You made me feel so, uh, so honored and so valued. And you know, in today's world, I think we protect ourselves from that, right? It's like, well, I don't want to show, you know, like I've got this big show and I'm pretty important. And so I'm excited, but not too excited. And, um, but you, you're like, no, this is me, man. Like I'm, I'm real. I'm, I'm a guy and I'm excited and I have enough humility to share that with you. And, and I think, you know, there's some vulnerability in that, right? Like, and, um, and that's, that was hugely attractive to me. And, 
I see so many people trying to play it cool. And um, I think, I think we get caught up in this image that we project, this brand that we're trying to build. It's this kingdom that we want to create and it, it gets in the way. And so back to purpose, like my purpose is to, is to lead others um, in, in their faith journey. And uh, it's to love my family. Uh, Mark Batterson said it this way. I want to be respected most by people who know me the best. And so, you know, if I give these keynote speeches or I jump on podcasts and there's people like, oh, wow, like Jordan was, that was great. And they don't know me and they think I'm great. But the people that know me the best think I'm a failure. Then that means I'm, I'm a failure. So um, I, I just think that's, that's something I spent a lot of time thinking about. So, yes, I want to motivate. Yes, I want to inspire. I do feel called to do this work. I love this work. I want to do it with as many people as we can possibly do it with. Uh, I would consider myself to be a visionary and an apostolic thinker. I have no trouble thinking big. I want to dominate. I want to, I want to build our business. I want to do all of that. I'm not, I'm not minimizing uh, how important that is or how awesome those things are. Sure. I'm just saying it's got to start with, I think, the right posture. I love and that. when I think about my purpose, it's, it's that posture meeting um, God's plan for my life. And that gets, me, that gets me fired up doing it that way. You can hear it. Just now, especially, you could hear your cadence, your posture, everything just sort of like elevated as you were talking about that, which is when you know somebody is absolutely aligned with where they're supposed to be. And it's interesting you said about uh, the text that I sent. Yeah, I'll be honest. Before I sent it, it was like, ah, be cool, man. Like like what you just said, it went through me, right? Like it was like, I right, don't do this. But you know what happened recently that stays in my mind is there was a, a high school friend and I've talked about this. I don't know if on the podcast, but uh, on some other content I created, but um, there was a high school friend that I haven't talked to in 20 years, right? I just, I haven't talked to him. And for some reason he popped up in my head as uh, as a, a funny memory that we had in, in a computer class in high school. And I thought, let me message him. I haven't talked to him forever. Let me just send him a, I don't even have his number, like Facebook messenger, send him a message and just say, Hey, uh, I remember this in Mr. Roy's class, whatever the hell his name was. Remember this, da, 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 just thinking about you. I wanted to throw it out to you. And I didn't do it. And then a couple of days later, it just kind of, it kept persisting. It kept persisting in my brain, this thought, should I send him a message? Nah, I haven't talked to the guy. So it's just so out of the blue. No kidding. Five days later, I heard that he hung himself, right? That took a dark, dark turn. I know. But I, I wonder, I really wonder if in that moment, had I done that, if it could have been the thing that made him realize that, wow, people were thinking about me. There's love out there for me, right? And I didn't do it. I didn't follow through with authentically who I am. And I'm, I'm not going to be so bold as to say it may have cost him his life, but I, I do wonder, would it have been that little, that little shift maybe that would have, I don't know, allowed him to get help or, or do something, right? But he literally did something. So I, I use the phrase hung himself, like the violence that, I mean, think about what you have to do to go through that. You're not, you know, you're not like taking pills and, and it's, it's an, um, uh, an incredibly violent and aggressive way to take your own life. And I just think about that. So I'll be honest with you before I texted you or before the first time I reached out to Eric or whatever, it goes through me. Like, don't be a tool. Like, you know, this guy's gonna be like, who the hell is this guy? Like on a, on a Tuesday, sending me this message, like, all right, dude, calm down. It's a podcast, relax. It was like, I just, I want to do this. And maybe in that moment, I don't know, maybe in that moment you were having a rough day or you shared with me before this podcast, like, Hey man, you're really good at this. And, I'll, and I told you, like, I actually just got opposite feedback and it jarred me a little bit. So going into this podcast episode, I was like in my head. And then you said that you delivered me that gift authentically from you because you're a guy that's so aligned 
with your purpose. I mean, I just think that we have to do more of that. Like if, if something's telling you to do it, who cares what the other side of it is? If somebody does say, hey, leave me alone, you're bothering me. As long as it's coming from authenticity, as long as it's coming from who you truly are, do it. I think we have to follow that voice a little bit more. Would you agree? I would totally agree. There, there's somebody listening to this right now, and they've been thinking about texting that person yeah. or encouraging this person or asking for help. Uh, and I, I just want to encourage that person who's listening, just do it. Reach out to that person, text them, call them, let them know that you care. Like, I think we struggle so much as a society with vulnerability. And I can say that because I struggle with it. I've, I've struggled with it and I still struggle with it. And, you know, I love what Brene Brown says about vulnerability. She says vulnerability, the, the, the first step in courage is vulnerability. Yeah. You know, so, so courage isn't about like putting on the armor, tough guy. I've got it figured out. It's actually the exact opposite. And what's crazy about it is that's what truly creates human connection. So like back to your point about connection, Jamie, connection starts with vulnerability and authenticity. Like I'm me. Let me take the, let me, let me take the armor off. I'm me. And vulnerability begets vulnerability. Well, what, what's the big issue in human connection? Here's the issue. I, I really, truly believe this. And I'm passionate about this topic. I believe that vulnerability is the first thing I look for in you. And it's the last thing I want you to see in me. Wow. And it creates this big gap in human connection. Right. It's like I'm testing you. I want to see your authenticity, but I, I don't I don't really want to show you mine. No kidding. And yeah. and so there's this gap. And and then, you know, there's this adage that people can be impressed by your strengths, but they actually connect to you through your weakness. Like that's when we shine a spotlight on our weakness, I would even say this, like, like you're texting me, like showing your excitement. Somebody might say, that's a, that's a form of weakness. Like, don't, don't get too excited. You know, I had an old mentor. He would always say this in sales meetings with, with clients and prospective clients. He'd say, Jordan, don't let him see you sweat. He would say that. Don't let him see you sweat. And, and what he was saying to me is, you know, don't be nervous. Don't, don't show any weakness. Like you need to show up like you've got it figured out. And so I did, Jamie, like I walked around acting like at 25 years old, I was America's best financial advisor. What a, what a shame. I mean, how many people did I turn away from me with my bravado and my ego and my pride? And what I learned is when I started saying like, yeah, I don't have all the answers. You know, I, I'm still learning. I'm a work in progress. People started moving closer to me. And when I owned my story about everything that I'd been through, when I got fired, Jamie, and let go and stood on the door of bankruptcy, when I started owning that and, and talking about that publicly, Huge doors opened, you know, and, and I've, I've given two keynotes this past year and, and in front of huge audiences that I just didn't deserve to be in front of. Like, you know, but but I was willing to own my story and shine a spotlight on my weakness. And I, I truly believe it created human connection. And so, so many of the cool things that are happening in our life today, I, I truly believe, Jamie, are a result of being vulnerable, stepping into, you know, some, some scary places to say, this is me. I don't have it figured out. I got work to do. People can be impressed with your strengths, but they connect to you through your weakness. And you, my friend, you're a first-class connector of people, and you do that. You, you put Jamie on display for everybody to see. It's like, this is who I am. I'm going to show you my excitement. I'm going to show you, you know, 
all my cards. I don't care about, you know, I can admit to you that I'm nervous and, and, and it's why you are such a gifted connector. Man, that means a lot. Thank you. And I, yeah, it's funny. Leaning into vulnerability has been like refreshing. It's relieving. Like you just put down the armor, right? You just, oh, okay, this is me. I screwed this up. I, I pay too much for that. I, I, you know, I, I, I uh, like you said, in my corporate career, like, yeah, I, I, I did this completely wrong. Like, whatever it might be, right? Like, I completely went against who I truly am to try to satiate my ego for too many years, all of that stuff. And it is relieving to put it down. But I love that point. You look for vulnerability in others. The first thing you look for is vulnerability in others is the last thing you're willing to display. That is so damn true. And you can physically see, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can, you can almost see with your hands, like, I'm looking for this in you, but I'm going to retreat further away. So you just continue to create this gap between you and the other person and, and the connection that you can potentially have. Unbelievable. And yeah. this goes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say the gap continues to grow. That's the problem, right? It's this never ending issue. It gets bigger and bigger the more we struggle with that issue. So um, go ahead. No, no. I, so on this point of connection, I, I was telling you before we started recording, I, I had listened to a specific uh, episode that you did on connection. And you had this quote from Maya Angelou. I believe it was Maya Angelou. People might now remember, or people uh, might not remember what you said, but they will remember the way you made them feel. Is that Maya Angelou? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, right. I, was, yeah. I was trying to think of who it actually was. Um, I think you're speaking to this already, but I want to just kind of go further down that rabbit hole a little bit. So people will, might not remember what you said, but they will remember how the way you made them feel. So how do you, to your point, if vulnerability is the space that, that you know, like is vulnerability uh, reduces the space between people, right? Like if, if I display vulnerability, you display vulnerability, we come together. How do you become okay with that? Is it rooted in knowing your values? Is it, is it having a sense of your purpose? Like how do you show up vulnerably without it being tactical? Yeah, well, let, let's get a little bit practical if we can. Because sure. someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, I got to do a better job with my vulnerability and creating connection. But, right. but what does that look like lived out and played out? Like even in the workplace, right? So let's talk about that. What does that look like for leaders, um, emerging leaders, veteran leaders in the workplace? Uh, well, here, here's what I think it looks like. I think number one, it's prioritizing the who over the do. Now, somebody might say, okay, well, you prioritize who over do. How does that make you vulnerable? Um, if I talk, if I encourage you, Jamie, based on who you are, instead of what you do, that makes me vulnerable. And, and I'll explain why in just a second. But let me give you an example of that. So if you're in, if you're in my, if you're on my sales team, yep. you know, um, typical Monday morning meeting, uh, I would say, hey, Jamie, you crushed it last week. You know, you you had the the most activity. You were the most productive. You kept the most amount of meetings. You got the most amount of referrals. You made the most phone calls. Hey, you crushed it. You were the most productive last week. And then we kind of go around the room. And so we praise people based on the do, which is very normal. And by the way, it's important. If you're in a results-based business, you should praise people based on the do. The problem is the ratio of do to who is way off. In other words, we're praising people repeatedly for what they do. And we're praising people very seldom for who they are. And it always means so much more when you praise someone for who they are. So like I could say to you, hey, Jamie, Tribe of Millionaires podcast, unbelievable. You do such a great job. I've heard you interview people. You're just so, you know, you're so amazing at growing that podcast. And this go abundance thing, like, wow, that's so impressive. Man, I love all the stuff that you do. Or I could say, hey, Jamie, you are an incredible encourager. 
Like I just want you to hear that today. Like God gave you the gift of encouragement. And you are you are super gifted in that space. In fact, you've got extreme God-given giftedness. It's almost like supernatural. Like you make people feel like they're your best friend. And that is an unbelievable gift inside of you. Like that type of praise will always mean more. Now back to how does it make you vulnerable? Okay, well, what if somebody doesn't feel that way about you? What if they don't like you? What if they don't reciprocate? Okay, well, that, that you know, now I, I put myself in a weird position, right? It's like I went around encouraging people. I'm trying to touch their heart, you know, really go deep with them. They might not go deep with me. They might not even receive what I just said. They might reject it. So I'm putting myself in a vulnerable spot by doing that. But that for leaders is, I think, a real opportunity to create connection. And then the other one is um, I can learn from you. So I, I believe if you want to be a great connector, you've got this open mind. It's like, I can learn from anyone in any situation. And I coach with the CEO. Here, here's what he says, Jamie. He says this to his brand new hires. He'll meet somebody that's brand new in his organization. He's got about 200 people working for him. And he'll say, hey, welcome to the firm. You know, I'm glad you're here. I can't wait to learn from you. Again, that's a show of vulnerability, right? They might be thinking, hey, you're the CEO. Do you not know what you're doing? Like, what do you mean can't wait? Like, I'm brand new. I don't even know anything yet. But and he's sitting there going, no, you do know stuff. You know what it's like to be new. I don't know what it's like to be new. You know what it's like to go through our training. I don't know what it's like to go through our training. You have a different perspective. And that perspective is unbelievably valuable to me. And, and when he shares that with one of his new hires, he empowers those people. He encourages those people. He makes them feel important. And he's also shining a spotlight on part of himself uh, that maybe is a little tender or some people might say weak. And that makes him incredibly attractive in the real world. So I, I just the practical application of what does vulnerability look like lived out and played out in the workplace? There's a couple of examples of prioritize the who over the do and then, hey, can't wait to learn from you. I can learn something from anyone in any situation and I'm going to communicate with people that way. That CEO is an interesting example to me. I guess my the question I have in my brain is, I mean, that's I love that I love that example of of uh, of being vulnerable and opening up and asking that question that that curious hey I'm curious to learn from you right like just showing your belly a little bit because you're right a lot of people you know I've got the pinstripe suit I'm the big big wig guy or girl whatever in this firm um yeah you're right you open you up to like does this guy not know what he's doing like would I join the right place or whatever but that to me takes a level of like coachability for that person to embody that, right? They have to understand what their role is as a, as a leader. And you've talked about leadership a bunch and we might go there if we have time to kind of maybe distill down attributes of leadership. But right now, what I'm wondering is how, how, do, you, how do you show up as coachable or how, how are the people that you coach? Like, what is the attributes that they display? How do you, what is coachable? Let's go with that. What is it to be coachable? And how, how do you get, how do you ensure people embrace the ability to be coachable? I think you will agree with this. Coachable people have extremely high levels of, of self-awareness. I believe that self-awareness is the beginning of growth and development. So if, if we want to show up as more coachable, if we want to be more coachable, we have to be more self-aware. And the problem is people don't become more self-aware on their own. I think it takes tools, systems, processes, you know, feedback to become more self-aware. So if Somebody's listening and they're thinking, I'd like to be more coachable. I want to make sure I'm, I'm being perceived as coachable from the people around me. I would tell them, get, get massive amounts of feedback from people who know you. Clients, 
prospects, colleagues, mentors, mentees, just be obsessed with receiving feedback. And um, what's crazy about this is you'll, you'll learn, right? There's so much that will get unpacked and understood, but also you'll create new levels of respect and credibility in these relationships because we all want to be around the person that is coachable and self-aware. And it's easier for the executive leader to give feedback if they're constantly receiving feedback. So if I really want to build trust and rapport with my people, I'll just open myself up and say, hey, I'd love your feedback. I've got five specific questions for you on the way that I'm being perceived and received. You know, I've got two questions about my communication. I've got two questions about my habits and my actions. And then I've got a question about the way that I'm serving the organization. Can I, can I just spend 20 minutes with you to ask you these five questions so I can improve and grow my self-awareness? If, 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 a, if any human, but especially a leader or a, position, a, a person in a position of authority, takes time to have that conversation, they're immediately more attractive. So here, but here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out, Jamie. I think this is a, there's a big misunderstanding between what it means to be coachable and teachable. And I think, you know, spending a couple minutes on this would be useful. So yeah. I used to consider myself to be highly coachable. And I really wasn't. I was teachable. So a teachable person will listen to a podcast. They'll attend an event. They'll sit in, you know, a company meeting. And they'll take great notes. So they'll listen. They'll take notes. They'll even go apply some of what they've learned. So that's a, that's a teachable person. Uh, a teachable person is focused on the moment. Uh, they're focused on the content. And, and they can be ultra present in a moment. Okay, so then there's the coachable person. The coachable person will sit in an event, in a company meeting, or they'll listen to a podcast. And they'll focus on the future instead of the moment. And they'll focus on the relationship instead of the content. So somebody, somebody is listening to this right now. You and I are, you know, I try to make myself accessible. If somebody reaches out, they want, you know, to ask a question or they want some time. As long as they come prepared, I will give them time. Okay. But how many times, Jamie, have you received an email like this? Hey, Jamie Gruber, you're awesome. You're great. Love listening to your podcast. I'm starting a podcast. And so I was wondering if I could spend an hour with you sometime in the next three days. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to jump on a call and pick your brain. Yeah, lots. Lots, right? Yeah. So they're not strategic. Right. But if somebody's strategic and they say, hey, Jamie, um, I've listened to you know, 50 episodes on your podcast. In fact, I think I'm one of your top listeners. I remember these three specific podcast episodes that you did literally changed my business, changed my life. Incredible. You know, you offered these three strategies. I want you to know that these three strategies have made a monstrous difference in how I conduct my business. Like you have added so much value. I'm learning from you always. And I'm just reaching out to say thank you. And, and by the way, if, if you would be kind enough to spend 15 minutes with me of your very valuable time, it would mean the world. By the way, if, if you don't have 15 minutes, I totally understand not going to change a thing about my fandom. I'm still a huge fan of yours. I'm still going to be listening to the show. I get you're busy. Just wanted to drop you a line. Let me know if we could spend 15 minutes sometime in the near future. Yeah. That's a coachable person, right? Like a coachable person is pursuing and chasing down the relationship. The person that taught them, they're, they're consumed and focused on relationships and connections, not the content. 
they're consumed and focused on the future, not the present. Yeah. I'm constantly thinking about, okay, how am I going to hunt this person down, chase this person down, build a friendship, build a relationship? How am I going to make sure I apply what I learned? And that the moment is way bigger than right here, right now. I'm going to use this, you know, going forward. Assuming that, you know, it's, it's a good session and somebody you want to learn from. Dude, this is exactly where I wanted you to go with this coachable versus teachable. I heard you talk about this with Eric, uh, maybe somewhere else as well. And it was so damn good. And to what you just said, it changed the way I show up when it comes to this podcast. Like I have ambition, right? I want this podcast to have great guests and this, that, and the other. And so in the beginning, it would be like, hey, uh, I have this podcast with two of our guests were, da, 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 da. Uh, why don't you come on? Almost like that. I mean, I tried to, you know, soften the edges, but it was about the moment. Right now, this is what I need, right? versus what you just said, giving somebody, I think you've, I've heard you say, giving somebody permission to say no. I know that sounds ridiculous. Like if you're, especially if you feel like you're looking up at a, a potential mentor, giving them permission, but that's what you're doing. Like I get, I respect a no. I compl- I say that all the time. I completely respect a no. I, I, I completely get it. Not going to change my, you know, however I can add value, just let me know or whatever. But that, what you just described has completely changed the trajectory of what I'm doing. And it's, and it feels so much better. Like, I know when I send that message saying, I want you, <laughs> you know, essentially, it just feels like, eh, fingers crossed. I hope they say yes. It'd be great if they do it. it. It works sometimes, but it doesn't feel as good as what you just described. So coachable versus teachable. What I hadn't heard was future versus present moment focused. And I really love the way you pu- you pulled that together. Like exactly what that what that means. That fe- like thinking in the long term. Like, how do I add value to this person? How do I give yeah. them permission to say no? How do I continue to just sort of be present for them or, or add value for them going into the future versus I need this now. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go after it. I actually have now started putting like for the person that says, um, I want an hour of your time. It's like, here's my, here's my hourly rate. And it just clears. I don't get paid and that's fine, yeah, but at least, yeah. <laughs> at least that's yeah. the case, you know, like at least they clear out that, that I, you know, it's another way of saying no, I guess so. But yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you, you have to protect your time, right? Cause you're so busy. Yeah. Yeah. And here's one thing that we, we took from Andy Stanley. I think this is brilliant. And, and I'm sure that you're doing something similar to this. Um, cause you get these direct messages or these emails and you can't be omnipresent, right? Every yes is an, is a no to something else. Every no is a yes to something else. Exactly. But here, here's what Andy said. He said, um, I, I can do for one what I wish I could do for many. Yeah. So, you know, if there's, you know, whatever it is, you know, 25 DMs in a day that come in and I, you know, I'm like, I, if I spent time responding to all that, that's all I do, you know, like jumping on calls and trying to help people out. But I can do that for one person. And, and I'll do that for the person that shows up the way that we just described. Yeah. The person that's like, hey, listen to the podcast episode. Here's three things that you said. I've been doing these things. They've been making a difference. Like, I want to honor your time. Hey, if it doesn't work, no big deal. I completely respect the no. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. But I, but I would say 95% of them are, would love to pick your brain. You know, can, can I grab 30 minutes? Yeah. And I'm, I'm much less inclined to, to spend time with that person. Yeah. Unless they say, hey, like, JB Groomer is my boy. Jamie's my guy. <laughs> uh, then, then, then I'm in. Honestly, no, no kidding. No, that's not like if, if after this, somebody said, Hey, Jordan Montgomery suggested I reach out to you. It's a, it's an absolute yes. I don't need anything more than that. I just need that one line in there. And it's like, that's an absolute yes. So watch now. Well, that's what's going to happen. We're going to, well, Jordan Montgomery said to reach out. Oh, how do you know Jordan? Yeah. I don't know Jordan. I heard him on your podcast. Oh, great. Cool. Well, we got 30 minutes. So let's go. 
<laughs> yeah. Whoops. What do we do? No, oh good. man. Well, all right, man. Listen, we are we are right up against it here. I want to respect your time. Um, where can people learn more about you? What you're doing? I feel like we need a part two to this. I feel like I, there's like I have pages of stuff. But anyway, where where, uh, where can people learn more about you? What you're doing and and all of that. Yeah, you know, um, we're out, we're fairly active on social media channels. I know that you are too. I'm probably yeah. most active on Instagram. So it's Jordan M, as in Michael, Jordan M Montgomery on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, our website is montgomerycompanies.com. So, you know, we're, we're pretty consistent about sharing content on our website. Um, but reach out. Like if there's somebody listening, if I could be a resource, if I could be helpful, either me or somebody on our team could be helpful to you. We'd love to love to connect, love to chat and love to love to be useful in the future. Highly regarded, highly regarded firm that you have. And some of your, your keynotes, people can just Google and go deep on, go deep on Jordan. You'll find a ton of content out there and you only got, and we only got a, a touch of what you, you talk about sales. You talk about communicate. I mean, you go into so many different places deep uh, and provocatively, like what you did today, you just gave us quotes and ideas and concepts, coachable versus teachable. Man, what a blessing. Thank you so much for being on today, brother. Hey, it's an honor. And let me just say this, man, you, uh, you really encouraged me in our conversation today. Uh, you showed up prepared. You were thoughtful, great questions. There's a reason that your podcast is where it's at today. Man, and some of it is just, you know, long obedience in the same direction and, and taking the at bats and doing it repetitiously. But you're world class at this craft. So just want to want to remind you of that. Uh, wanted to share that with you. And again, want to say thanks for having me on. Man, thank you so much for that, man. I, I appreciate it. And we'll talk very, very soon. God bless. Be well. Well, that's it for this episode. But be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast. And you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.